Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Since the last time we got together, the Sens have re-signed three defensemen, they signed a tough guy, and they signed a goalie. As we're speaking right now, though, there's nothing new to report on Alex Dabrinkit. Hey, how would you feel about Vladimir Tarasenko as a replacement? We'll get into that. Sens development camp. The Alfie signing in Detroit happened 10 years ago this week. Philip Zadina in the news and much more coming up here on the program. My name is Steve Warren, along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. Greg, how are you today? I'm good, Stephen. Good Saturday morning to you. Uh, big game tonight for the Red Blacks, I guess. There's not a lot going on in the sports world this time of year. Looking forward to see if the, if the, uh, if the Red Blacks can come out with a win tonight. Yep, finally got their first one last week and uh, did it with Tyree Adams at the helm, and he's going to be out for the season. Now he got injured in that game, and uh, just in time, Jeremiah Masoli is suddenly ready to play his first game in a year. You can't help but wonder. I mean, the timing just looks like, okay, it's maybe not uh, all the way healed yet, but I got to get in there now that uh, Adams is out of the game. Uh, Might be a coincidence. All their hopes basically hinge on Jeremiah Masoli's good leg. Yeah, and it's it's good that the East isn't exactly a powerhouse this year, too. So a, a bit of a slow start. If they can put together a couple of wins, they're probably right back in it, not looking too bad for the rest of the season, we hope. Did you see that ridiculous finish on Thursday night between <laughs> Edmonton and Saskatchewan? Just to paint the picture, it's an all-time CFL blooper. Saskatchewan and Edmonton, there's a minute left in the game. They're tied at 11, of course, 11. Tied at 11 with a minute left in the ball game. Saskatchewan is kicking off. And so Edmonton's in great shape at that stage. You know, they get roll into field goal position, maybe win the game, maybe even get in a position for a rouge. Uh, instead, <laughs> uh, Sims, the Edmonton returner, I don't know, lines up shallow and allows the ball to go over his head and then jogs back to get it, thinking it's a touchback. This is, a, I guess, a U.S. receiver who just does not know the Canadian rules very well and gladly gives up the rouge, the game-winning rouge. Ugh. Uh, Chris Jones he's, and his staff need to do a little better than instructing their guys, I think. That was crazy. But it was the fourth rouge of the game. Like, at one yeah. point, the, it was 3-3, three, three, a, a, a field goal for Saskatchewan and three rouges for Edmonton. Like, I get it. The guy's an American. He wasn't at training camp, so he wasn't there for the for the all-important, okay, guys, listen up. Here's the difference between Canadian and American rules. So he probably missed that whole presentation. You think at some point, you know, you're, you're in Canada, you're playing in the CFL, you're out on the receiving team. Somebody at some point probably should have told you the rules. And obviously he either didn't know them or wasn't intelligent enough to remember them. I don't know which it was. Right. Yeah. So anyway, the uh, Red Blacks in Hamilton tonight as they try and even their record at 2-2 two and two to start out the young campaign. Again, big game for Jeremiah Masoli. Not only uh, his first game in a year, but taking on his old team, the only other mm-hmm. team that he's known in the league. Uh, Moving on to hockey, though. The Ottawa Senators, since the last time we got together, they have re-signed three defensemen. That would be Eric Brandstrom, Jacob Bernard-Docker. They did that on day one of free agency, and that was in the morning, re-signing them. And uh, about day four of free agency this week, Travis Hamanick was re-signed. I was starting to think that maybe they had low-balled him to the point where he was going to rescind his game plan of uh, I really want to come back next season. Like he was over the moon at the year end media availability 
saying how much he and his family loved it here. They live in Canada. They're close to the rink. It's a perfect fit for us. Want to come back? Hopefully, they'll have us back. And then day four is rolling along, and then finally he gets um, a, a two-year contract, and it's worth, what is it, $1.1 million per season, I believe. And that is low ball, but he gets a no-movement clause in there as well. Uh-huh. So he true, true to his word, he really, really, really wants to play for the Ottawa Senators for the foreseeable future. Yeah, but then again, look at the other side of the coin was the Senators were like, it's only going to be a one-year deal. We're thinking one year at 850, 900, somewhere around there. To have to bite the bullet and, and give them a second year, maybe not the greatest idea, but then the no-move clause. So and I, you can't even send them down. No-move means beyond no trade. You can't trade them. You can't send them down. Nothing. It's guaranteed no matter what. He's eating popcorn in the press box every night. He's still making his full money. He's not going anywhere. So I think that that's a bit of a pill to swallow. But I guess it's only a million, so they're okay. I guess they're they're fine with spending an extra million dollars for another season of Travis Hamonic on top of this coming season. I just the two years kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, a little bit for me as well. Um, but I think that he's properly slotted now. There were games last year where I was going, jeez. Mm, I wasn't real happy with that or whatever. And I think that as a 5-6 defenseman taking on lesser lights, still out there killing penalties, I think that's a better role for him as opposed to playing up in the roster as he has been basically since he arrived in Ottawa. So I think Hamannick and Brandstrom, assuming that is the pairing, uh, I, I like that in the 5-6 role. And, uh, you know, and you, and you, I think any team in the league would be happy with a 5-6 pairing making $3 million. That's not that big an investment for your bottom pairing. True. And it, But does it does it block uh, JBD? Now, he, he, he will still be around. I think they'll have 7D. The one that really gets blocked here is, is Tyler Clevin. Um, it kind of paints the way now that he's going to spend the year in Belleville, barring injury or barring, uh, like if he has an incredible training camp and they end up uh, trading or getting rid of or waving JBD or, or trading Branstrom, I think Clevin's yeah. pretty much now, yeah, you're going to Belleville for the year, no ifs, ands, or buts, I think. He really looked good at Sen's development camp. He did everything they wanted him to, and he was named the hardest worker at camp, and so really a standout at development camp. Not the deepest of development camps. <laughs> the uh, prospect cupboard is starting to get a little little bare compared to ones we've seen previous. It's not the kind of money where you, you, know, where you say that the guy is hopelessly buried behind Jacob Bernard Docker, but Bernard Docker does enter camp uh, with a leg up. The other angle was the goaltending, and uh, we talked about this in a recent podcast, but for our radio listeners, Jonas Corposalo has been signed to a five-year contract worth $4 million per season. Get a reset from you on what you thought about Corposalo's arrival in Ottawa. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with the, with the fit. I think he's the right guy. He's going to He's going to push uh, Forsberg, and he's going to uh, or or just be the number one. I think it's probably more of a one A one B. It's the contract that bothers me, and I'm sure most most people feel the same way. It's the it's the fifth year. I thought four years was was probably too much, but they had to go to five. I don't know how much the uh, the market f- factored into that. Uh, or pressure to we got to find somebody so we better give him a fourth year and then the kid comes back with well I'll come there but I need a fifth year you know I, that's that's negotiating stuff there but by the fourth or fifth year I'm hoping it's Mad Sogard's number one 
Ed Corposalo's still around as a veteran backup guy. Like I, I that's got to be the way the Sens are picturing it uh, moving forward from here. Yeah, hard to say. I mean, it's um, you know Corposalo is here for five years, like you say, and he's twenty nine years of age. So a thirty four year old goaltender is is getting up there, but certainly a you know we've seen thirty four year olds guys in their mid thirties be dominant NHL goalies in the past. And uh, what I like about Corpusalo is if this is the year the Sens are to get back to the playoffs, he brings you some playoff pedigree because Sogard and Forsberg didn't. And this is a guy that just recently played all the games for the LA Kings. Like he, he went to the LA Kings at the deadline last year from Columbus and uh, grabbed the number one role, grabbed the reins for the playoffs and played in all six games. They ended up falling to Edmonton and there's no shame in that. But the stats that uh, Corpusalo put up in L.A. were gaudy and pretty good in Columbus for a bad team. He had a 913 save percentage last year in 28 games for Columbus, then got traded to L.A. and an even better save percentage at 921 and a 2.13 goals against average. So if the Sens can get some of that at a Corpusalo moving forward, that would be a very, very good thing indeed. Now, and another it- trade or rather another signing, I should say. Um, is uh, the signing of Zach McEwen. We'll take a timeout first, though, and we'll talk about the signing of McEwen, a tough guy from the Philadelphia Flyers and L.A. Kings, and that's coming up after these words. Introducing the future of driving with Ford electric vehicles now available at Jim K. Ford. Say goodbye to gas stations and hello to efficiency with electric power that delivers a smooth and silent ride. With advanced technology and smart features, you'll experience a whole new level of convenience and connectivity. And with Ford's commitment to sustainability, you'll also be doing your part for the planet. So come on down to Jim K. Ford today and test drive the future with Ford EVs or visit us online at JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! ADSS Global is your trusted partner for all your accounting and financial management needs. Our team of certified Sage 300 experts will help you streamline your financial operations, optimize your cash flow, and improve your bottom line. We have the solutions. Hear what one of our satisfied customers has to say. The Algonquin Students Association has been with ADSS for over 10 years. Mark and his ADSS team are reliable and respond quickly to our requests and needs. Call ADSS Global today at 613-221-5950 or email mcashman at adssglobal.net. And be sure to check out their new website, adssottawa.com. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Zach McEwen in the news. He is the newest member of the Ottawa Senators. He was signed by the Sens on Wednesday, 26 years of age, good size, six foot two, 205 pounds, doesn't mind uh, the odd Tilly here and there, got in eight fights last season and comes in for three years. The Sens gave this guy a three-year contract and it'll only be basically around minimum wage, something around $775,000 average annual value. And it looks like, Greg, you're you got Austin Watson, who's a UFA. hasn't Nobody's ruled him out returning. He's still out there on the market, but obviously wants a little more term, wants to improve on things. That guy made one point five million dollars, and uh, that's a, that's that's a decent paycheck for a bottom end guy. So I'm thinking with Zach McEwen, that's your insurance policy. That's that's a guy that can come in and do a pretty damn good uh, Austin Watson impression for half the dough. Exactly. The only thing he's not going to bring is the the PK minutes that Austin Watson gave you. 
Um, I, I, I'm not in the room, so I can't speak to that. But from anything I've read or listened to other players uh, on the team, they all loved uh, Waddy in the room. He was great. Okay, good in the room, bad on the ice. You know, that, that's not a good combination. So this is a, this is a younger version of Austin Watson, who has produced a little bit more statistically in the last couple of years. So he's just going to basically do Watson's job. Uh, it, it spells the end of Austin Watson. I can't see them re-signing him now. There's just no reason for it. So he's just a replacement. Lots of people going nuts on Twitter, criticizing the move. And players like this, whether we like it or not, are still required. Physical tough guys are still required. You really want Brady Kachuk fighting everybody every night. You know, it's nice to have another guy who can drop the gloves once in a while and he can still play and contribute some minutes. He's only going to play, you know, six to ten minutes a night on the fourth line. He's fine. I just don't like the third year. Right. Yeah, it's just so cheap, though. You you know, it's easy yeah. to buy out if you have to, right? It's not really a, a factor for me. So you get a third year in there. And, uh, and one of the things, you know, I did see all that dialogue about what a terrible signing it is and, and look at the analytics. And one of the things, Greg, that analytics, particularly when it comes to tough guys, that they don't show and they don't measure out what that player means to all the skill guys on the team and how much better they play and how much more confidence and swagger they play with when you have mm-hmm. a guy like this in the lineup. So if, if your game plan was to allow Austin Watson to walk and then, you know, have a fourth line of Parker Kelly's and Dylan Gambrell's, I know Gambrell's in Toronto now, but those types of players, I think he'd be making a grave error, particularly when you see, you know, one of Ottawa's arch rivals loading up with um, truculence, the way they have, including Ryan Reeves, I think that would have been a mistake not to address this. Exactly. Modern analytics don't measure influence. They don't measure motivation and they don't measure character. Um, There's just no way to to measure those things. And until the guys played a few games at a fairly inexpensive dollar amount, who are we to criticize how poor a player he is? You know, let's, let's see him play. And again, people relax. It's, some nights he'll only play six minutes for God's sakes. It's, it's not that, it's not that big a deal. It's not like he's, uh, he's not going to be a dead weight anchor on this team. He's, he's, he's an NHL player who's going to contribute in the way that he does contribute and do it very well and probably do it. I'm, I'm thinking more effectively than Austin Watson did. I didn't like Watson as far as getting to where he needs to be on time as a skater. If he was there, you know, he'd finish his checks. McEwen is a better skater. And he is going to have an opportunity to be there in time to finish checks more frequently, I think, than Austin Watson. I think he's probably a better fighter, if you want to measure that out. Austin Watson, again, great in the room. Teammates loved him. And I appreciated his his heart and soul, his effort. But he didn't win very many fights. Let's be honest. I think you'll see McEwen come out on top a little more frequently than, uh, than Austin Watson did. Having said that, he had a he had a broken jaw last year, lost a fight to Marcus Foligno, who really caught him, and he missed about 12 games. And uh, interesting, how many guys, like, if you're in the NHL, chances are you dominated as a scorer somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it's always interesting to see how guys decide, you know what, I'm not making the NHL with what I have to bring to the table skill-wise. I've got to carve out a niche. I've got to change my game plan, find a way to get into the league as a bottom six. And McEwen is... Another in a long list of guys like that. In 2016-17, he played for the Gatineau Olympics. Another Sens farmhand of the past. 
2016-17, Vitaly Abramov was the leading scorer that year. McEwen was right behind him with 74 points that year. And uh, it's a standard thing. We see it again and again, including the, you know, Donald Brashear was a very good scorer. Uh, you think of a fourth liner like Sean Van Allen, good friend of the program. That guy was a dominant American Hockey League scorer, but changed his game plan to uh, to get to the league. And I think Guy Carboneau would probably be the best example at all. What did he have, like 200 points in <laughs> Quebec Major League Hockey and uh, and had to do what he had to do to uh, make it with the Montreal Canadiens. And, and it, it speaks to character, okay? So there's one way maybe you can measure character. A guy who is a stud in junior and somehow – without being able to produce at the same level, manages to eke out a National Hockey League career that lasts for a long time. That speaks to character. That speaks to a, an intelligence level in the player, a, a self-awareness that, you know, I'm not that guy. I can't produce at that level, at, at to that level, at this level. So right. you got to find a way to stick and a way to play. And, and there's the, you're, you're right. There's a long list of guys like that. And, and everybody in junior Let's face it, anybody drafted in the first five rounds of the National Hockey League produced pretty good stats in a full year of junior hockey at 18 or 19. Uh, yeah. to, to then be expect every one of them to produce like that in the National Hockey League doesn't work. And it seems the only ones you talk about are the ones who flop right out. That guy was a stud and junior, big producer, comes to the NHL as a high draft pick, can't produce like that, and then they're gone. And all we do is say, what a waste. You know, this guy's no good. What a stupid pick that was. And you forget about all the guys who found a way to make a living, found a way to to, eat, uh, to to kind of enforce themselves into the lineup and say, I'm here, I, I can do this job. Put me in, coach. Pierre Dorian's statement on Zach McEwen. Zach is a player with strong character who adds increased physicality to our lineup. He's a hard-nosed competitive player who's a tenacious forechecker and demonstrates a routine willingness to go to the hard areas. Uh, McEwen has been in 186 career NHL games and to the thought of character, he seems to have that in spades back home in Stratford PEI McEwen and his family started the my biggest fan foundation. It's a nonprofit organization that honors the legacy of Zach's late father, Craig, who died of a stroke three years ago. And it's a really good foundation. It offers support for hockey players and their families in the form of scholarships for hockey schools financial uh, support for registrations and tournaments, equipment for players in need. So nice to see that he's done that. They've done it, you know, to honor his late father, which uh, certainly helps with a grieving process to create some sort of legacy for a loved one like that. But um, but from there, um, you know, lifting off to something that's uh, that's great for hockey, great for kids in that area who can't afford to play hockey. So it's all good stuff and speaks to the guy's character. Agreed. Uh, it, and if he's an upgrade, we we believe he's an upgrade on Watson. I'm positive he's an upgrade on Brown and and uh, Julian Gauthier and some of the other guys that were down there in the bottom bottom fourth line. Uh, I, I'm okay with it. See what he can bring. Moving on to Alex Debrinket. Of course, still still has not happened. It's still lingering out there. One of the things that seems to be evolving is a possibility that maybe Debrinket would favor a chance to play in his hometown where he grew up. He grew up in Farmington Hills, Michigan, which is 30 minutes northwest of the city of Detroit. So he went to Red Wing games and there seems to be some discussion that maybe he would sort of show some favoritism because reality is to this point, um, it's all been about unrestricted free agency next summer. 
And the take from the Debrinket camp, as I'm hearing it from a source who's close to the family, is that he's 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 not against signing in Ottawa. He's not against signing here. He's not. It's it's not about here and now. He's not willing to sign anywhere long term right now because he wants to go to UFA. The exception of the rule sounds like it might be his hometown in Detroit, as uh, as the Red Wings are apparently stepping up their talks with the Ottawa Senators. Maybe they get something done, but I still think it's going to be a big battle, Greg. It just seems, okay, so the Sens are going to want a bunch, and you're also going to, I don't care if it's hometown or not, you're still going to have to you know, pay for Debrinket for going unrestricted free agency next year. So I think it's still going to be an extremely difficult negotiation, even if Debrinket is looking at Detroit more seriously than other markets. Yeah, it would be nice that there could be some bend there. And maybe he's like, okay, I'll sign a two-year deal or a three-year deal. You can, I'll let Wherever you trade me, they can buy up a couple of years of that UFA. Because as mm-hmm. long as, we've said this before, as long as he's not willing to sign long-term, his his asking price, the, the asking price for the Senators, can't be that high. You're only going to get him for a year. I, I got asked, I, I got recognized somewhere the other day, Steve. It was pretty cool. Oh, and and I got asked, you know, what's what's the like if he goes somewhere, it's only for one year. What's one year of Alex Debrinket worth? And I said, well, according to the Ottawa Senators, a first, a second, and a third. Isn't that the that's the established market, right? Yeah. So, but I don't think you're getting that where <laughs> wherever you're sending him, if he's not signing for for uh, an extension either before in a in a sign and trade or after immediately after being acquired. Uh, you're not getting a first, a second, a third for him, but it's just going to all depend now. It's going to be picks and, and prospects. If it's a a short-term acquisition, it's going to be a good haul, I would think, if it's a long-term acquisition wherever you end up trading them. And make no mistake, Debrinket is not a guy who holds a no-movement or no-trade clause. He will have to go wherever the Sens trade him, but if it is a one-year, there's not going to be a lot changing hands, and maybe you look at it at that stage, okay, but there is uh, an asset changing hands there, even though maybe there's not a blockbuster deal happening. And that's the asset of the eight or $9 million a year in savings. And that would allow the Sens to maybe dip into unrestricted free agency. And there is one player in free agency right now that a lot of people are talking about it, maybe to immediately go out and get UFA Vladimir Tarasenko. He had 18 goals and 32 assists in 69 games, but certainly capable of a lot more than that the guy has in the past been a 40 goal scorer you know looking back um his days in st louis starting in uh, 2014 15 37 goals 40 goals 39 33 33 uh, another off kind of an off season and then a 34 so that's kind of offensive production you're getting there he is five years older than alex debrinkit but it would be a pretty decent consolation prize, Greg, if you managed to sign that guy after a potential Debrinket deal, along with whatever else you get in the Debrinket uh, uh, arrangement in the package. Yeah, I, I and and I have to believe it was less than a week ago that the story was out that he was all but signed, sealed, delivered. He's going to Carolina, and then the announcement official never officially never came. So I'm wondering if Ottawa made a better offer than Carolina enough to make uh, Tarasenko's people think about it. And then maybe Ottawa said, look, give us give us two weeks. Give us two weeks. You got the deal in Carolina if you want it. 
give us two weeks to do something with Debrickett and we'll work on it from there. Because I think Tarasenko is really part of the, it's the focal point now. It's the, it's the big factor in this whole Debrickett thing. If Tarasenko signs somewhere else, then maybe some teams that were interested in him might become interested in Debrickett. And if Tarasenko, uh, sits around and waits then then it takes that out of the, out of play and Ottawa can make a deal and bring the guy in and the other addition is let's not forget you're going to lose to Brinkett but you're getting Josh Norris because he's not going to be healthy for a whole year we hope you're going to get Norris you're going to get whatever you get in a trade for Debrinkit, and hopefully you're going to get Tarasenko too so they could come out ahead of it if you look beyond just the trade like I know everybody's going to look at what they exactly what they're going to get for Debrinkit. But if you look beyond that, the team will improve with whatever they get, plus Tarasenko, hopefully, and Norris returning. I, th- I think they can they can still come out of this looking okay. Boy, that top six looks interesting. Stutzla between Kachuk and Giroux, and then you have Norris between Tarasenko and Batherson if the Tarasenko <laughs> deal went down. I think a lot of Sens fans would be drooling at that possibility, and there wouldn't be many many teams in the league where you'd say, oh, that team is head and shoulders above the six that I just mentioned. Yep, you're right. For the second year in a row, they could have what looks like a really good top flight, top six in the National Hockey League. But it all, yep. I mean, it, again, it all depends on the whole Debrinket deal and what you end up getting for them, if you move them at all, if you don't move them, what kind of package, you know, it, it just, ugh, it's it's getting frustrating. And it's it's really putting a, uh, I'm sure Pierre Dorian's just as frustrated, obviously, or more frustrated, because it's putting a crimp in his summer plans. He's trying to work out his roster for next year, and he can't because this log there's a log jam there to figure out what's happening. Got to move this guy, get that guy, sign this guy, move that, trade this. Well, he's got a lot of work to do before he's before he's settled in on a top six. I'm still a little worried about Josh Norris. I hope that shoulder <laughs> problem is behind him to see his season come apart while taking a face off. That's uh, I mean, uh, from everything we've heard, the surgery went really well. Rehab is going really well. And uh, he must be at a stage now where he's getting close, if not already into it, uh, where he's doing summer training at uh, a near normal level. I'm sure they're babying it and everything, but uh, yeah, when you, when you have a guy that's had, you know, is it, is it three Big injuries to that same shoulder. That's that's definitely a. It's got to be a concern. I, I, I mean, you can paint it however you want, yeah. but uh, so much of the Sens' success this season will depend on that great balance that they have in the, those top two lines as as it looks right now. And uh, yeah, I, I I can't help but worry about Josh Norris. Yeah, and it, well, it, it, here's another thing to consider though. Josh Norris on the power play. I think the power play was better when Josh Norris was on it two years ago than it was last year with. Alex to bring it on it. That's right. another factor to right. consider here. I see if he can be healthy, if he can stay healthy, it, it's he, he, he's a. Uh, I don't want to say better, but he's he's as good uh, as as the loss of a more than compensates for the loss of Alex to bring it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I heard Pierre Dorian talking glowingly, and we played a little of it in the last uh, episode of our podcast, which you can check out by the way, sensnationhockey.com at any time you like. He talked about. The asset that is to bring it, the things he does well. Um, but at the same time, because the notion was that you know, he, he had an off year and, you know, hit a lot of goal posts and next year he'll maybe uh, get back to where he was. But 
looking at the other angle, that was the first season he's played in the NHL where he didn't have Patrick Kane mm-hmm. feeding him on that power play. And that's that's not something that can be overlooked. For my money, there are better players. You know, Connor McDavid, better player. But for my money, there is no better puck handler and disher of the puck than Patrick Kane in his generation. And that guy suddenly wasn't playing with Alex Dabrinkit any longer. So that can't be dismissed as the reason, or at least a partial reason, why Dabrinkit's numbers weren't what they were in Chicago. I'm sure in Chicago, Dabrinkit was hitting posts there as well. So something else to keep in mind. Yeah, and not only was it not Patrick Kane, it wasn't Josh Norris. It wasn't Tim Stutzla. For the majority of the season, he was playing with replacement second-line centers. Right, like that's got a factor into this season that he had too. So that the, mm-hmm. it was it a matter of Patrick Kane was really really good, so his numbers were good, or was it a factor of whoever he was playing with was nowhere near good enough, so his numbers weren't as good? You know, they they probably both factored into it why his numbers were a little down for his uh, last season here in Ottawa. Right. One of the things about Tarasenko uh, apparently he wanted to stay in New York because he was traded by the Blues after his entire career there traded by the Blues to the Rangers and really wanted to go back to the Rangers and uh, that's a big uh, that's a big shift from mm-hmm. the bright lights of New York City to Ottawa, Ontario, Canada how how interested do you really think Tarasenko is in coming to the Ottawa Senators? I think this is just this yeah. is probably my old school thinking here because the Sens have always had a hard time attracting good UFAs you know, I think back to Yevgeny Dadnov, um, I, I, and I said at the time, well, makes me a little concerned that he wants to come to Ottawa because most UFAs don't. But now things are changing, and it's time for me to start thinking about things a little differently as well because, like Travis Hamannick said at the end of the season, how can anybody not want to be an Ottawa senator with the way this team is emerging right now? But I'll ask you the question. Do you... Uh, do you think Tarasenko would want to come to Ottawa? Because that's a question that you'd have yeah. for almost every UFA. Well, there's the the one factor here is that he's he's Russian. He's a, he's a Euro. He's not a North American. So uh, there's there's two sides to look at that. Now, a lot of times the Russians come over, and if they get they get to a New York or they get to an LA, they're like, "Woo!" They turn into Mister Playboy. I'm in the big city, and I don't want to leave here. But the other side of the coin is the climate. The size of the town, the weather, the the what goes on around you in a city like Ottawa is much more similar to where they come from. I, I go back to the Stasnys. I'm sorry I'm aging myself, but the Stasnys absolutely loved Quebec because to them it was just like being at home. It was a, a winter uh, a climate, a, a smaller town, and it was just like being at home. So that appeals to Europeans more so than North Americans, more so than even, especially an an American, a kid from the U.S. gets to play in New York. Usually they kind of love that. They eat it up. Like you mentioned earlier, the the big city, the big market. I think that it, it, it can be a positive factor comparing Ottawa to a New York. Ottawa can be the positive factor because it's smaller to a lot of people. That's more appealing. Tarasenko, if he did end up with Ottawa, and there's obviously many steps to go before that would happen. This is a lot of conjecture and speculation. But if he did end up in Ottawa, it would it would almost write a decade-long wrong. A bit of a gaffe from Brian Murray and his scouting staff. 
Back to the 2010 NHL draft, the Sens held the 16th overall selection, and they opted to trade it to the St. Louis Blues for a defenseman named David Runblad, who did not exactly light it up in Ottawa or anywhere in the NHL. <laughs> Murray was able to kind of erase the mistake using Runblad as a big chip in the Kyle Turris trade not that long after. But when the Blues made that, uh, made that swap, they immediately, with that 16th overall selection of the Ottawa Senators, took a guy, a kid, named Vladimir Tarasenko, who within three or four years would be an absolute stud in the NHL. So could be full circle for Vladimir Tarasenko in the league, going back uh, to the team that maybe he should have been with all along. Yeah, I I think that there was always that fear, right? For the longest time there, there weren't a lot of Russians being drafted anywhere, especially in Ottawa. How many years was it between Russian draft picks and then the one or two that they did take were flops? So it was kind of like an area they weren't going to go to. And at the time, they felt that David Runblad was... You know, they say, take the best, the next best name on your list, take the best available player on your list. They believe that David Runblad, rightly or wrongly, they believe that he was the best available player at that time with that pick and made that deal. It was kind of scary uh, and did not work out. So, yeah, it is kind of cool. There's a little bit of kismet there that, uh, that maybe they do end up getting Tarasenko and, and right along overdue wrong. I agree with you, Steve. Yeah. Great idea. So just on that basis alone, let's get this done. <laughs> if for no other reason, yeah. then we're tired of speculating about Alex Debrinkit. Looking for a vehicle that's environmentally friendly and fun? Look no further than the Ford Mustang Mach-E, available now at Jim K. Ford. This electric car will have you laughing all the way to the bank with savings on gas and maintenance costs without giving up excitement and performance. And with zero emissions, you can finally breathe easy, literally. So if you want a car that's as exhilarating as it is eco-friendly, come down to Jim K. Ford today and take a spin in one of our Mach-E's today. Visit us online at jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Sens Development Camp came and went this week, as it does, right after the draft and free agency. Uh, some of the new draft picks come in and uh, get put through their paces by the Sens brass. Kind of interesting that uh, there were 36 players in the camp, and uh, 18 of them, half, were actual draft picks, and the other 18 were free agents. And uh, I thought it was a nice touch. The way Pierre Dorian handled it, maybe they handle it this way all the time. I'm not sure. But near the end of camp, he basically had a jersey and a ball cap for all the draft picks because they were all like a lot of late picks, like three seventh rounders and a fifth rounder. They weren't actually at the draft. So he kind of gave them their draft day moment by handing out a jersey and ball cap to each of the draft picks in the dressing room so they could have their photo. And, you know, you never you really never know how it's going to go. For a fifth or a sixth or a seventh rounder, chances are the NHL is not in their future. But I thought that was a nice touch for Dorian to kind of give them their draft day moment. What do you think? No, I think it's cool. We we were talking about this uh, before we turned the mics on here today, and I I, I agree with you. I, I and, and you raise the point. I wonder if they do it elsewhere. I wonder if the Senators have done it before, and then I wonder if mm-hmm. other teams do it. It's pretty cool. It's a nice touch. I, I'm yeah. I'm not a fan of the ball cap. I'm with Brian Burke on this one. Any team Brian Burke was ever a part of, there was no ball cap. We're hockey players. We're not baseball players. We don't need ball caps. And I watched the first round this year, seeing if anybody would step up to the mic for the podium there and not hand out a ball cap. But every team does it. So, yeah, I just don't need a ball cap. Give the kid a jersey, take a picture. That's cool. 
it was interesting the whole process as the kid is picked, they're announced, they're in the stands, and there was seemed to be the same young woman who was wearing what looked like her grad dress who would uh, greet them in the aisle as they're getting out of the stands. They hug their parents and their girlfriend and all that. And uh, this girl's entire job was to take the suit jacket from the kid so that he can wander up, up the catwalk there and and easily put the jersey on without worrying about the jacket. She was the jacket taker. And uh, (laughs) it was a real process to it. The NHL thought of everything, I think. (laughs) Well, yeah, because in the past years, I don't know how they did it in the past. I assume the girl then went back up into the stands and gave it to the parents or whoever was there. But did you notice also on the on the catwalk, as you called it there, where they're walking to the stage, written on the floor that he's walking on, it says, welcome to the NHL, as he's walking up to the stage. Well, that's a nice touch, right. too. They, I, 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 they, they do it right. I, 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 I do enjoy watching the draft. It gets to a certain point where I have no idea who half these people are. <laughs> you know, you don't unless you're a draft a file and you're into this prospect stuff, you not, don't necessarily know who everybody is, but uh, everybody's treated right. It's first class. It's pretty cool. And, and I also like the fact that a lot of teams, after a certain point, uh, it, it's not the GM up there making the making the uh, the announcement. They let the scout do it. A lot of teams, it's the head scout or one of the area scouts or you know the director of player, player personnel makes the announcement. Probably in most in those cases, whoever was most uh, behind that kid who wanted this kid drafted. But it doesn't have to be the GM. It doesn't have to be the president. It doesn't have to be Carey Price. You know, let let the guys who are involved in the process get some some camera time and kind of some recognition for the work that they do. Meanwhile, the owner was in the building at Sensplex in Canada. So as they had their three-on-three tournament this week uh, on Thursday, there was Michael Andlauer standing with the brass up in the balcony that overlooks one of these Sensplex rinks. And he's standing there with, uh, it was Pierre Dorian, Ryan Bonus, David Bell, the Belleville, Bull, Belleville Sens head coach. Wade Redden was there as well, one of the uh, development guys. And there was Michael Andlauer. And he must have felt like a kid on Christmas morning. Like I know he's got the, you know, he's got the, he's got all the money in the world. He's a he's a big wig and stuff. But you know, he he's roughly the same age as you and I are, and both of us law lifelong NHL fans. And you know, we've evaluated camps like that as coaches. And what a feeling it must be to have been an NHL fan your entire life, and now all of a sudden you're you're looking down at an evaluation process for a team that belongs to you. Wouldn't that be a surreal feeling for Andlauer? Yeah, it's like they talk to players and that one of the questions is, you know, what, what was your welcome to the NHL moment? And I'm sure there are a lot of little hurdles, steps along the way that are your welcome to the NHL moment, probably culminating with the, the first game played while you're the owner. But this would be one of them. You know, the first time you you step in front of a microphone with the team logo behind you, the first time you go to a dev camp, the first time you're at a training camp, the the opening game of the season. You know, there's all kinds of little uh, benchmarks along the road that say, yeah, I've arrived. I'm the owner of a National Hockey League team. And that would be a pretty cool feeling to be up there. You're right. I, I hadn't thought of it that way till you till you mentioned it. All I was thinking of, yeah, you're right. I can remember standing up there too, doing evaluations, freezing my butt off, trying to identify one player from another. <laughs> it really doesn't matter when you're Michael Andlauer and you're the owner. It's just you own all of them. They're all yours, buddy. Yeah, they're playing rights. It's not an ownership of yeah. human beings, of course. <laughs> but uh, no, and, and the other angle to it, 
there's a fine line, Greg, between an owner who is interested and knowledgeable. There's a fine line between that type of owner <laughs> and the involved meddling owner. I guess I do have that slight concern as even as involved as Eugene Melnick was, I do not remember ever seeing Eugene Melnick at development camp. <laughs> that's, that's an, that's an interested party right there. Well, I think uh, there, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one is Eugene was actually a resident of the, uh, of the Bahamas, right? So he, he was only allowed to actually, Barbados, sorry. He was only allowed to quote unquote work in Canada so many days a year. So he wasn't going to waste any on dev camp. Right. <laughs> but, but in the case of Michael Andlauer, here's a guy who's been involved with the Montreal Canadiens, the most historic storied franchise in, in NHL history. So he's probably seen how it gets done there and kind of knows his place and understands his role that, uh, you know what, uh, Mike, we appreciate you having around, but, uh, you know, you're not evaluating. You're just kind of here to to watch and maybe have a press conference. You know, I think he understands that part of things that having been involved and been involved at the junior level, too. I think you would certainly have questions. You would certainly be able to contribute to conversations if he's asked. But I don't think he's going to be the type that's going to be butting his nose into actual hockey operations and that side of things. At least I would hope that's the way he's going to act. This is the first development camp in probably close to 20 years I never got over to. Just got too busy and I never got over to the three-on-three on Thursday. And I think back to five years ago, the big name that year was Brady Kachuk. He had just been chosen uh, fourth overall in the NHL draft. And at the time of the draft, there was a bit of a controversy because we didn't, not everybody knew exactly what Kachuk would become, and that's a perennial all star. Philip Zadina was a Quebec Major Junior Hockey League scoring star. And there were a lot of Sens fans who, the day of the draft, were roasting the Sens, Pierre Dorian and his staff, for taking Kachuk over Philip Zadina. And Zadina. On Friday, as we speak right now, this very day, cleared waivers and is now a UFA. Would you take a shot at a guy like Zadina? Would you bring him in? Well, it's free or close to free. Like, I don't think the guy's going to be all that demanding in a contract situation. If you can get him in here for, if you can sign him to one year or, or maybe even two at, at uh, less than a million and look at the kind of contracts that are being handed out. To, uh, to to people with less uh, pedigree in the NHL than he has, uh, yeah, you, you could get him cheap. Why not? You know, uh, uh, I, I don't see any problem with it. What are you thinking? Like, if he can contribute, he can contribute. If he can't, so what? Yeah, as long as I have to pay too much for him, for sure. Yeah. Interesting that he walked away from like something like $4.5 over the next two years on the contract he had with Detroit. I have to assume that he and the Red Wings agreed that his uh, – his being placed on waivers was for the purpose of his unconditional release. He could have grinded them and said, you know, put me on waivers. And if I clear, which he did, I'll go down to the minors and still make my NHL money. But he kind of bet on himself and uh, he's going to be a UFA now. So he, um, I think he'll in his mind have it where I want to at least recoup what I gave up to do what I've done here. So um, as long as the price is right, I, I just, uh, I, you know, if he's coming in as a UFA looking for, Two and three million dollars. I'm going to say a uh, uh, hard no on that one. Closing it out today, Daniel Offertson was traded 10 years ago this week. Not traded. He opted not to re sign with the Ottawa Senators and signed with the aforementioned Detroit Red Wings. 
be interesting 10 years later if the Sens lose another excellent right winger to the Detroit Red Wings. Um, that anyway happened 10 years ago this week. What are your memories of Alfie signing on with the Red Wings as a free agent? It was all Melnick. Yeah. Melnick frustrated him. It was the the whole, he he had a deal. He ha- he signed one of those deals that was a backdiver. Like his last year was was a, a like 250000 or something. And he wanted to, sorry, $2.5 million or something. And he wanted to, uh, to uh, re-sign. They came to him and wanted him to sign a two-year deal before that season started. And they'd offered him uh, $10 million for two years. We'll rip up that contract where you got one year left, sign a new two-year deal for $10 million. And this, he said no. He wanted to think about it. And then when he became a free agent, he wanted $5 million a year because that's what they were willing to pay him. And they said, no, God, no, we don't want to pay you that. And he said, fine, I'm out of here. I, I, I get it. We got to go. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you have a fantastic weekend. Our website for our podcast, if you want to check that out, is SensNationHockey.com. I'm also muddling about doing my thing at uh, the Hockey News Ottawa page. You can check out THN.com slash Ottawa for all kinds of cool Sens articles. We're on top of everything there. And Greg... We hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the Red Blacks tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you in our next episode. Talk to you soon. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers, or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.